I want to play for you what happened with Angela Davis. <laughs> this, this is really funny. Uh, hoisted by her own petard, essentially. But uh, before I do, I, want, I've, I haven't uh, caught up on <clears throat> some tips and messages left to me on uh, Rumble and on Rockfin. On Rumble, uh, Amos37, thank you. He says, I know of five miscarried babies since this began. Yeah, it's just horrific. Just horrific. Yeah, let's give it to pre- It used to be not that long ago. They wouldn't give any kind of vaccines to pregnant women. And then they started pushing that stuff, and now they're demanding it and guilt-tripping them on it and gaslighting them on it. Uh, on Rockfin, thank you, Kristen. Um, thank you very much for the tip. I appreciate that. And on Rumble, Wolfman Jack, uh, thank you for the tip. He says, I'm posting for another. Katiana uh, is, says, is there any way to get your messages closed captioned? I have an adult deaf son who would benefit from your program. I can donate if you can provide closed captioning. Do any of the uh, video platforms, do they have closed captioning on there? I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. If so, we'll work on that for you. Yeah, yeah. It'll well, be a function of whether the sites themselves provide captioning. YouTube does, but they have so much money to play around with. They can provide yeah. every single thing you want in a video oh, yeah. platform. Well, yeah, YouTube were kicked off of that a long time ago. In terms of closed captioning, I mean, I have a, a transcript program <clears throat> that I use. Um, it's not, though, very accurate. It gets some really hilarious uh, uh, results in it. And, and so it, I don't know that it, it – I, I can look at it, and I'll get the, the strangest things. Like, uh, you know, sometimes they'll say the David Nacho. Um, it's like, what? <laughs> sometimes it gets right, but sometimes I'm the David Nacho. Yeah, you didn't know I was Hispanic, did you? Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, if I see something strange like that I, and I use it to get the time codes. And it's one of the reasons why it takes us a while to get the podcast up because I like to try to go through and give people, since it's a long show, very long show. Um, I like to give people an idea of where I'm talking about different topics. So if they're not interested in a particular topic, they can skip ahead or they can go directly to what they're most interested in listening to, to try to save them some time. But it takes me time to do that. And I have to go through the, uh, through the uh, transcript uh, to get that stuff. And on this particular program, I can click on the, if, it, you know, if I see something like David Nacho, it's like, what? <laughs> I, I knew what that was based on where it was. But if it was something strange like that and I get some really strange stuff, uh, I can click on it and it'll play the audio for me. So it's like, oh, that's what it was doing. So it's not the sort of thing where it would be worth it for us to put out a closed captioning thing because I don't have a good option on it. Uh, we have on our editing software, it puts out a transcript, but it gets the same kind of stuff and it doesn't have the audio file attached with it. Um, and of course, you know, for people who are hard of hearing. To be that, fair, that if you them. look at live captioning of most events, they goof up quite a bit on things as well. If you're watching mm. like an NFL game, things go wrong and get squirrely or political commentary gets squirrely. Mm-hmm. So live captioning is still, you know, a 70 to 95% accurate thing. Well, you know, I, I need to do something <clears throat> in terms of uh, utilizing Substack. I haven't had the time to do any articles lately, but uh, at the very least, you know, putting up the long uh, outline that I do, put it in the descriptions, because I don't know if that really flows through to the places where people pick up the podcast. Or, you know, we put it up on our video platforms. Do all of them uh, put up all the text or does it get truncated as well? Uh, I believe all the video platforms put up all the description. I don't think I've ever had an issue with descriptions being truncated. Okay. Well, um, 
I think a natural place for it would be on subscribe uh, on Substack. And um, you know, if we put that up there with link to the video and the podcast and have the the thing there, and you know, it wouldn't be hard for us to just copy and paste uh, the uh, uh, the closed captioning there. So it's something we'll have to take a look at. Um, it's also possible that I could export a version with the subtitles hard coded in Premiere and just upload a secondary version of the full show with closed captions for people that need them. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, but that would take a lot. If we could just copy and paste the, the transcript there, that might help. Um, but, um, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some, because it takes us a long time. We're uploading all this stuff ourselves directly and cutting it uh, every day. I mean, the show does not end. Uh, it doesn't begin with a show, you know, it begins the previous night, uh, before I go to bed, I uh, start looking at what happens because they don't really change anything until the news doesn't start changing until about nine o'clock Eastern time. And, um, when the program begins. So, um, as you frequently would see, uh, from Genesis on, you know, the evening and the morning were the first day. Well, that's the way my <laughs> the day begins in the evening prior to that. Yeah, we kind of have that still reflected. And things like Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve and that type of thing. But um, yeah, it begins in the evening and it doesn't finish until just about the time I got to start again uh, because we got to go through and do all these uh, outlines and things like that. So um, we'll try to do the best we can. We'll try to get some more information up on Substack. I think it'd be the best place to do something with that. Let's talk about Angela Davis. Uh, out of all the years I've been familiar with PBS, this may be the only valuable program. <laughs> <laughs> that I've seen coming in there. This is about African-American heritage is the, um, what the, the subject of the program. And, um, it is, um, it is a program where they go back and they look at their roots. And, uh, so they brought in Angela Davis, who is, uh, pretty well known to my generation, uh, radical Marxist, former black Panther recently discovered that she is a descendant of these people on the Mayflower, as well as in her past history, are slave owners. And so um, she's now 79 years old. And I want you to see her reaction. Uh, the, the program is a PBS show called Finding Your Roots. Now, you know, I mean, I know people who will go back and do genealogical searches because they want to see if they're related to some of the founders or something like that. The people who landed on the Mayflower. Oh, I'm, I'm related to the people who landed on the Mayflower. It's like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, it, it, uh, yeah, that's so many generations removed. It's like, so what have you done? <laughs> and my uncle did that. So, yeah, we had traced it back to somebody on the Mayflower. But uh, I, I don't care. I, I've never done that. Uh, she does it on this program called Finding Your Roots. And here's where she gets the awful news. Any idea what you're looking at? That is a list of the passengers on the Mayflower. <laughs> no, I can't believe this. <laughs> no, <laughs> my ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. You, your ancestors came no. on the Mayflower. No, no, no. You no. are descended. <laughs> no, no, no. From What's wrong with that? 101 people <laughs> who sailed on the Mayflower. Oof. That's a little bit too much <laughs> to deal with right now. Did you blew out her 1619 projects? Think that you may have descended from people who laid never the foundation never for this country. Never, <laughs> never, never. Yeah, I mean, you know, here her whole life as a racist Marxist 
Her whole life has been aimed at destroying the foundations of this country, and she's got ancestors who laid the foundation. How shattering is this? Here she has been all of her life hating white people, and now she has met the enemy, and they are us. <laughs> not only that, she's not descended from white people 30 generations ago or something like that. It's, she's got two, not one, but two white grandfathers grandfathers and um so she's absolutely disgusted to find out that she's related to the people who built this country i mean you know when you're all about project 1619 you do not want to hear about 1620 the mayflower right it's just horrible and and as i looked at it i thought here we have a situation where you know she's descended from some puritans who landed in uh, there we have gone in how many generations? We've gone from Puritans to Marxists, haven't we? What would they think? <laughs> they would be equally wanting to disown her, I think. Now, if you stop and think about it, these people who you know, colonized New England for religious liberty and things like that, they eventually uh, set up uh, Harvard and um, you know, other places like that, these Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale. Uh, they were... Initially set up by Puritans and people for religious purposes, they were seminaries. They're still seminaries, but what they're selling now is not Christ and hope. They're selling Marxism and revolution and hate, right? And, and so her story really is the story of America. America, founded as a shining city on the hill. That's what the Puritans talked about, referencing how uh, they would openly live their lives in religious liberty, and it would be an example to other people using the metaphor that Christ gave, you know, to be a, a shining light set on a hill. And it's gone from that to Marxism. Our institutions have been captured, and she is a product of these institutions and these elite that have captured America and uh, corrupted it. So her story really is the story of our country. And the other part of it is, as I said, both her mother's father and her father's father were white. She had no idea. Now, here's the other part of Angela Davis's story that's tragic. What you see happening, the problems that she is, is relating, is angry about in our society, are not a problem of our country failing. They're a problem of our families failing. And more specifically, a problem of our fathers failing. We just talk about the faith of our fathers. Now we talk about the failure of our fathers. This is tragic, really, that she had both of her, you know, these two um, um, grandparents that she didn't know at all. How did that happen? Well, <clears throat> in, um, in both of these cases, in, in one case, her mother was raised in foster care, did not know who her parents were. And um, I believe I look in here, I, I think they were married, um, a white man and a black woman at that point in time. I think they didn't want people to know that. So um, they put her mother into a foster home, and she didn't know who her parents were. And then in the other case, uh, there was, um, again, this guy who's running this thing, here's what I was looking for, the Hutchins Center for African and African-American research at Harvard University. 
Yeah, Harvard was Puritan, just like Angela Davis. <laughs> and it's gone off the rails. It's now Marxist, just like Angela Davis. Uh, and so everybody's talking about the absurdity of reparations when you look at this. But to me, that's not the most important thing about this story. I think it's uh, when you look at it from a personal standpoint, and what can we do about this individually? Um, the fact that she is a product of a broken family, the fact she didn't know uh, her mother's father or her father's father, or knowing that, it's, it's, it's a broken family, more so than a broken country. As uh, the guy who was talking to her uh, there with the Finding the Roots thing, as he went further back in time, they said things got even murkier. Uh, Stephen Darden, her fourth great-grandfather, was born in colonial Virginia around 1750. He was a patriot who played drums in the Revolutionary War, according to the muster roll. Afterwards, he moved from Virginia to Georgia, where he owned a farm and had at least six slaves, they said. She said, I always imagined my ancestors as people who were enslaved. Yeah, she wanted to believe that. Here's the reality. My mind and my heart are swirling with all these contradictory emotions, she said. Her father, Benjamin Frank Davis, grew up in Linden, Alabama. His mother was Molly Spencer, uh, but similarly, nothing was known about his father. Alabama census records indicated for at least 10 years. Molly had lived next door to a white man named Murphy Jones. Uh, records state that he sold her two acres of land for $200 and that the two were likely close. And so they looked at DNA and they found out exactly how close they were. Uh, they knew each other very well. And so when you look at the reparations side of this, that, that's the tragedy of this. Uh, the fact that uh, we have lost our religious foundation. We have lost our families. We've lost any connection to families. And uh, you've got uh, men who are not taking their responsibility. You know, uh, just hit and run fathers. And um, it, it's uh, and that's what we wind up with. You know, people who are adrift and they get captured by these Marxist institutions. So where are we going with the reparations thing? Should Angela Davis, who has um, you know, two, two grandparents so, um, that are white, should she get reparations when she's got people in her family history who owned slaves? Or does she pay them? How do they practically do this? Take a look at Obama. Obama is one half black and one half CIA, right? His white side of his, his mother's white, his grandparents are CIA founders. <laughs> He should be paying us reparations for what the CIA has done to enslave us. <laughs> Anybody should be paying reparations about being them, the CIA. But, uh, you know, what does he get? What does Lala Harris get? I mean, she's a, another example. You know, you got people who came here um, after all of this, many people who are white who came here uh, well after the Civil War. Uh, they have no connection whatsoever to anybody that had slavery. Angela Davis is far more connected to uh, the slave trade than my wife is, for example. You know, she's um, second-generation immigrants, so I guess she's, yeah, uh, her, her grandparents immigrated, so yeah, second-generation, I guess. Uh, but, you know, they, they came here the early part of the 20th century. Uh, she doesn't have anybody in her family history that had anything to do with slavery. 
Angela Davis does. But they will take money from, you know, people like that and give it to Angela Davis because of skin color. That's what this is about. This isn't about reparations for anything. That's real. Uh, but Lala Harris came to this country. Her family came to this country. Her father from the Caribbean. Her mother was Indian. Her father bragged about how his family owned slaves there. And so there's no calls from the mob for Lala Harris and her family to pay reparations. But they go back and they look at Benedict Cumberbatch, also uh, descended from a family many, many generations ago, centuries ago, who had slaves in the Caribbean. Oh, well, he should pay us. No, this is about skin color. This is about overt racism. It's not about anything else. We need to take a look at what our institutions are doing to us. And when you look at this reparation stuff, now let me just say one more thing, too, in terms of uh, genealogy and background. If you've got family that's been here for any number of generations, uh, you go back and look in your family tree, you know, um, and this would go for the white races as well as the black races. You know, if I don't know how long Nick Fuentes has been here, but <laughs> he probably better not do a genealogy search if, he's, if his family's been here very long because he's likely to find that there's going to be Indians and black people and all the rest of this in his, uh, in his family history. That's the way it works in America. That's why, you know, we had the situation with Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings that they made a big deal out of. Uh, that was based on a smear that nobody who was contemporary at the time, nobody who knew Jefferson, nobody who had ever been to his home, nobody ever believed that at his time. But it was resurrected by some non-historian by the name of Fawn Brody. And then eventually they went out and they did some DNA tests and said, yeah, you know what, well, but that means that anybody that is downstream from Thomas Jefferson, any of his descendants could have been involved. In, this is not proof positive of anything, really. Uh, the guy who leveled the accusations was somebody who was a former uh, fanatic supporter of Thomas Jefferson, and he got angry with Thomas Jefferson. And uh, this is what we see frequently, you know, people who get really, uh, you know, uh, radically attached to somebody. Uh, sometimes uh, when something happens, uh, they, you know, flip and they go the other side and, you know, become their worst enemy. That's what happened with this guy. So he starts, uh, he's never seen Jefferson, never been to his home. And he puts out this stuff saying, well, you know, he's got um, uh, children by Sally Hemings or whatever. He had no basis for that. So it's not any, any proof positive, but now that's taught. You know, they're at his home, uh, Monticello. They, they tell people that. They've done movies about that. Uh, it's now become accepted fact, and there's not really any proof of that. But when you look at all of our backgrounds, and especially even when you come up to the time of the Civil War, you start looking, if you actually go back and you look at these the original documents and the diaries that were going back and forth, it is like a, a little Dickens novel. That's one of the reasons why Dickens did that, where everybody's related to everybody else. It was that way in, in areas around London. You know, everybody in these small cities are related in one way or the other to somebody else, or cousins or second cousins, and then, you know, all these interlocking families. And the same thing happened in the small towns in America at the time. So uh, when you go back and you look at people's genetic history, you can't make any decisions about that, but they don't really care. This is a scam. You know, you got a big pot of money that was put out there by Trump and by Biden with a pandemic, and everybody wants a piece of it. And so as Jonathan Turley is saying, 
are reparations going to be part of the American rescue plan? You know, that's Biden's big stacks, stash of cash. And they want a piece of this. And so the cities say, yes, we're going to use the American rescue plan. Other people are saying, yeah, we're going to use that pandemic money that, uh, that uh, Trump showered on us. So they got this big pile of money and everybody's looking about how they can steal it and uh, so for some justification for it. And San Francisco and other places in California, uh, they never had slavery in California. But, um, you know, the, the bill that is putting out the reparations task force out of San Francisco, as I reported before, a bill of $569 billion for reparations. Uh, in San Francisco, they've got a reparation board demanding $5 million per black resident, plus forgiveness of all debt. Other cities are saying that, okay, even if we don't have the pandemic cash from Biden and the pandemic cash from Trump, we just have the government print some more money. Yeah, what can go wrong with that? Other cities are moving forward with this. Boston is doing it. Uh, like San Francisco, Boston reparations will cover not just slavery, but uh, more recent housing and economic inequities. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's, about, it's about skin color. It's about demagoguery. And it's about buying votes. Cory Booker has now introduced new federal reparations bill that would create a new federal commission similar to those of states like California. And so this is the direction that they're going. And it will only further divide us because it is injustice. It's yet another injustice. Two rights don't make a wrong, as they say. Two injustices don't make reparations. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com.